Recovery Elevator, episode 350. I've got great news, everybody. You can still go to concerts. You can still vibe. You can still dance. And here's the cherry on top. You can remember it. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Blazik. He's 28 years old. He's from Kansas and took his last drink on July 25th, 2021. Listeners, this November 12th and 13th, we've got our annual online conference called Regionals, which is included with Cafe RE membership. This online AF event starts Friday after work and wraps up Saturday evening. We've got a great list of workshops lined up, and this event is going to be a lot of fun. Join us for yoga, meditation, sound healing, and more. In addition, participate in several different breakout style rooms, such as your time away from alcohol, gender-specific groups, and more. Again, this is for Cafe RE members only, and it's included with your membership. Go to Recovery Elevator for more information, and if you do join Cafe RE for this event, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Recovery Elevator, I am pumped to announce we just made a $5,149 donation to the McShin Foundation. So 10% of all Cafe RE monthly memberships goes towards a nonprofit geared towards helping those affected by addiction. The McShin Foundation, based out of Virginia, helps those struggling with addiction get access to detox facilities, sober living, transitional recovery houses, and more. So thank you Cafe RE members for making this happen. This is so cool. Okay, let's get started. Today is November 1st, 2021, and I'd like to talk with you today about the gauntlet of challenges and opportunities we have ahead of us in the next 60 days. When I say challenges, I mean this. Thanksgiving, Thursday, November 25th. Christmas Eve, Friday, December 24th. Christmas, Saturday, December 25th. Then New Year's Eve, Friday, January 31st. Even those days that those holidays land on are extra challenges. So in addition, many of you will find yourself sitting at a dinner table wanting to hit the eject button due to triggering relatives. You'll be offered an abnormal amount of ethanol-filled beverages, and some may even inquire into why you are no longer drinking poison. Other challenges are as follows. Additional holiday gatherings. Some of you may get asked to put Christmas lights in a tree or go cut down a tree to make extra trips to the supermarket. And I don't know about you all, but sometimes holiday shopping stresses me out. Now, the first blast of cold temperatures is always a challenge. And zip it, Georgia, you have no clue what negative 10 feels like. Let's talk about holiday travel. Some of you will be filling suitcases and traveling long distances to less desirable destinations because you married a woman from Lawton, Oklahoma. For some, snow tires come into the equation, and for others, it's extra college and NFL football, which can be triggering for some. Let's not forget advertisements. Okay, I recently heard it pronounced this way, and I promise you I'll never say it that way again. Let's not forget about advertisements. Some companies want to make you think that holiday dinner will be a bust unless paired with a seasonal liqueur, or that all eggnog should be spiked, or that the holidays in general are better with alcohol. This is all false. In addition, the holidays can be lonely for some, lonely and cold if it's negative 10 degrees outside. I could go on, but I think y'all get the point and I'll stop here. First off, if your anxiety is spiking somewhat, that's okay. I simply want to call out what's on the horizon and begin to create a game plan. 
That's what we'll be doing here for the remaining nine episodes of 2021 beginning next week. I want to give you practical ideas, strategies, and plans to remain AF through the rest of 2021, and for some, to help you log your first AF holiday, maybe even AF holidays, as in plural. Okay, so now let's talk about the opportunities ahead of us, and we've got plenty of them. Opportunities are as follows. We've got Thanksgiving, Thursday, November 25th, Christmas Eve, Friday, December 24th, Christmas, Saturday, December 25th, New Year's Eve, Friday, January 31st. Yes, these dates are challenges, but also baked in there are big opportunities. Opportunities to begin rewriting the script and to start creating the new norm around holidays. Included in this time of challenges are many opportunities for self-love, self-care, self-reflection, and also for putting the self aside. In addition, there are extra opportunities for connection, to practice those vulnerability muscles and build deeper human connections. You've got extra holiday time. Extra time plus snowstorms equals hot chocolate, fireplaces, and quit-lit books. You've got a chance to sit across from Uncle Ronnie at Thanksgiving dinner. Uncle Ronnie has no clue about your decision to quit drinking. Until now. The canceled flight due to a snowstorm in Philadelphia is an opportunity to be less reactive, to go with the flow, and to practice mindfulness. Tis the season. This is a great time to be of service and give. Give without expecting anything in return. I can guarantee you in this holiday season that you'll have an opportunity, or 50, to set boundaries with yourself, loved ones, and strangers in a supermarket. Then there's the opportunity of the unknown. Much of the world enters a repose or a break during this time, but not the recovery world. If you start making a point to build an AF community in person, online, or both, by the time the holidays arrive, you could have a great supporting cast around you. So the holidays can be a time to address the loneliness. Yes, the holidays, November and December, and actually let's get real, the early part of January as well, are filled with some level 10 challenges. Yet on the other side of the scale is an equal amount, if not more, of opportunities. A lot of it has to do with how you view it. Listeners, I'm here to tell you that yes, you can do this and you don't have to do it alone. Maybe the connection is through this podcast. Maybe it's in person with AA. Or maybe you join us for Cafe RE, but you don't have to do this alone. Maybe some of you are listening to this hungover right now with green face paint still on your face from Halloween. Let me tell you, you can do this and it's time to get started. You may have heard me say on this podcast that a relapse happens way before the first drink and I firmly believe that. If your plan is to stay sober this Thanksgiving and wishful thinking and willpower is all you've got, I'm here to tell you that's not enough. It might get you through a holiday or a couple weeks, but the work needs to be done and it needs to get started right now before these challenging dates arrive. And the good news is, is we've got time. So next Monday on November 8th, I'm going to come at you with a game plan that will better equip you for the holidays. Some of it will be conceptual, and some of it will be hands-on ideas that I encourage you to try. And apparently, November 3rd is National Sandwich Day, followed by National Nacho Day on November 6th, and I do plan on celebrating both. So there's one more opportunity that I want to touch up upon before closing today. That is the unknown. We all have difficulty viewing this as an opportunity because a thinking mind doesn't function in the land of the unknown. When we imagine an alcohol-free holiday season, the thinking mind usually crafts an illusion of doom, gloom, and fuck that. 
damn it, why is it so hard to match up the beeps? Anyways, the key word in that sentence is illusion. The thinking mind functions on the known and doesn't like the unknown. The reason why is it's hard for your thinking mind to ensure your survival in the unknown. I don't want to oversimplify this and make it mechanical, but you can overcome this limited thinking. So what can take place in your upcoming alcohol-free holiday season? Well, that would be anything, anything that you can imagine. Maybe it's time for a new holiday tradition. Maybe this year you take the family to see the hip hop version of the Nutcracker and goodness gracious, I hope that exists. Maybe rent an RV and do some heated winter camping. Maybe sit this year out and do nothing. The point I'm trying to make is the next eight weeks are wide open. It's a blank canvas. So listeners, what do you have to lose? We've all opened up the Christmas gifts hungover, hardly present. Yeah, I gotta say it pun intended, sorry. We've probably all told ourselves next year, I'll get back on this next year. Oh, next year I'll get a handle on this. So listeners, how about we make next year right about now? Before we hear from Chris and Blazik, let's hear from Exact Nature. Exact Nature's safe and healthy CBD-based products are formulated to help you with the challenges of quitting drinking such as addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, and lack of sleep. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to exactnature.com and use the promo code RE20 to receive a 20% discount on your order. That is RE20 at exactnature.com. Thank you, Paul and Recovery Elevator. Please help me welcome Blazik. Blazik, dude, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, starting off, can you tell us your sobriety date, Blazik? Yes, sobriety date is July 25th, 2021. July 25th, 2021. That's creeping up on two months? Yeah, 47 days. So Nice, dude. Good Math job. is not my specialty. Yeah, me either. I think I've said that every single episode. <laughs> it's it's not mine either. But... I got the grades to prove it, though. <laughs> I love it. Uh, before we get into it, Blazik, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where you're from, what you do for a living, age, family, stuff like that, and most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, definitely. I'm 28 years old. I'm from Kansas City. I'm in software sales. Single guy. What I like to do for fun, I have a dog, so we do a lot of stuff together. We go on walks all the time, try and find new parks and just new adventures to go on to keep him worn out so that when we're home, I can actually relax. As other stuff for fun, I have a podcast that I like to neglect, so that's a hobby. I enjoy making videos. I enjoy making music. I learned the guitar. Well, I should say I'm learning the guitar. I'm very bad at it, but learning the guitar started that about six months ago so yeah anything that's like creative or just kind of get my juices flowing i like doing that i like it dude i'm into that i like doing the video stuff too i've seen some of your music dude and you're like a like you're a talented singer so like good for you putting yourself out there thanks man i'll uh, credit auto-tune but thank you <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes what uh i gotta ask too what kind of dog do you got he is a rottweiler great dane so 120 pounds of massive just a little guy, huh? Yeah, something like that. Awesome. All right. Well, Blazik, let's do what we came here to do. Can you share share your story with us, man? Tell us about your relationship with alcohol, how things started, how things progressed, maybe some stuff that happened along the way, and, and how did we get to today? 
Yeah. So I guess it would start when I was super young and I, I always had this feeling in my stomach um, and in my body. It was like a physical feeling and I never exactly knew what it was. Uh, it wasn't until I was actually 25 years old that I learned that that feeling was anxiety. So growing up, I always had this feeling. Um, I remember just being in school, having it really bad. And I wanted to be this kid that was extremely likable and you know, I was, I mean, I was, I was homecoming King. I, I like, I acted very confident and I acted like the person that I wanted to be, but I always had this feeling inside of like real anxiety. And we, my junior year of high school, we won, we won the, uh, the sub-state basketball tournament. So we went to state and that's the first time that I really actually drank to enough to like any, like feel anything. And that feeling that it gave me was the feeling of just calmness and that angst just went away for like i wouldn't say the first time in my life but it went away for one of the few like few times in my life so for the first time or a few you know whatever i had that feeling go away and that's when i started attaching alcohol to when i when i drink alcohol i can feel the way that i've always wanted to feel and i can actually act the way that i wanted to act I was not very confident around women. And when I drank, that kind of switched. You know, I could be confident around women. I could be confident. I could public speak flawlessly. I could I could do whatever I really wanted to do when I drank. And so I associated it with good things. You found the solution. Exactly. Until it wasn't. But yeah, <laughs> I found the solution. I'm a genius in my mind at this point. So really from like age 17 to 27, I drank almost every day and I would drink at inappropriate times. And I didn't even think of it that way. You know, I'm starting a new job. I'm drinking before I'm going in the first day. I'm oh. interviewing for a job. I'm drinking before the interview. First day of class, when you have to go around and introduce yourself, made me so nervous that my body would be shaking. My voice would shake. It was embarrassing. And I knew if I drank that went away. So all of these things become I drink before that I do this I drink before that mm. and then it becomes a staple to ending my day as well um, I get home and once everything's done that I need to do for the day I drink and I finally take that edge off and I finally feel okay so I'm rushing through everything to just to get to that point where I can drink which is super sad because I'm not being present at all throughout my day but as to how we got here honestly man I just got tired I just like got tired of, I was just drained. I was drained from drinking and waking up at 2 a.m. with heart palpitations and, and, you know, maybe an anxiety attack in the middle of the night or the blood sugar levels, that 2 to 3 a.m. wake up. And then I just got so exhausted. I was always tired. I was always hungover. And the only thing that made it okay was was drinking again. And I remember... I deliver, I was delivering for Amazon at the time and I passed a church and it said like recovery meeting here tonight. Mm -hmm. And it just like, you know, when, you know, when you see or hear something and it clicks, like I'm sure yeah. you had that moment. Yeah. It, it was that for me kind of. So that was about a year and a half ago. And I just went to my podcast app cause I have nothing better to do in delivering. So I, I searched recovery podcast and I found recovery elevator. So I decided that day I was going to quit drinking, but it wasn't like a, I'm going to quit drinking. It was like, I'm going to try to quit drinking. 
see what it's like. And I went 38 days and I listened to four or five episodes of the podcast every day and I felt great. And then I was coming home from work one day and I thought, I'm not an alcoholic. I just went 38 <laughs> days. I couldn't have done that. Proved so yourself I, wrong. <laughs> yeah, man. So I had uh, I had a whiskey that night and, you know, boom, right back to it. And then, you know, 47 days ago or whatever, I just burned it to the ground and I was just tired. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was drinking when I didn't want to drink. I don't know if that's something you've yeah. ever experienced. The The term that I like to use is like maintenance drinking where it's, I was drinking not because I wanted to get drunk, but it was just, it was just because like I, I needed it to even start to, to start to feel like myself. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. I didn't want to do it, but it's, it was, it was like I had to do it. That's a great way to say it. Like the way that's how I felt like myself. I didn't feel like myself until I had that. And damn, it felt good too. I will say like that take, you have like such highs and lows, right? Mm -hmm. It's the all day. Ah, and then you finally get it and it feels good. But then it's just right back into regret. Not, not that it's like I'm trading 22 hours of the day for two hours of the day. Yeah. I, ha I would have this, these fantasies that if I could just like, if people just get off my ass and I could just drink the way that I want to drink, like I just, I just want to have a couple beers just to get right. You know, mm -hmm. like that's it. I just, I just need to like level out, but I would, I would completely ignore the fact that like I wasn't having a six pack a night. I was having like a six pack on my way home and then another <laughs> case secretly in my office when I got there. And on a Tuesday morning, I would piss my pants and my wife would find me before my kids got up for school. So like, yeah, if, if you just leave me alone, let me do my thing and piss my pants on a Tuesday, <laughs> it'd be fine. Just what's everybody's problem? Right. Yeah. And, and I was fortunate to where I, I wasn't to that point yet, but I'm also 28. Who knows what it turns into? Yeah. Like, I was probably at a bottle of wine and a beer or two a night, which is still a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a big guy, so maybe we're equivalent here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's plenty. Blazek, I wanna I wanna go back a little bit. Let's go back. You were talking about high school and you said something to the effect of like when you were drinking you could act like who you wanted to be. Maybe could you just dig into that a little bit more? Like how did how did that anxiety feel? you know, when you were sober versus, you know, you'd get a couple in you. And did you feel that draw like immediately to like, I just need to continue this because it's, it's like freedom or, or a ticket to something that I can't have otherwise. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I always acted the way that I wanted to be. I would just kind of overcome it. But when I drank, I could feel comfortable acting that way. Okay. That's, that's how I would word it, I guess. And I don't think that I necessarily did that in an unhealthy, the drinking was unhealthy, but like acting who I wanted to be, I think that that was probably a good thing. I mean, I, I was truly being who I wanted to be. I wasn't doing anything like out of character or anything. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like a Jekyll and Hyde situation. It was just a like an easier pathway to, to be yourself. Right. So drinking, drinking like allowed me to be comfortable being myself and be comfortable being who I wanted to be. And it, it, it was just like, I don't even know how to word it. It was just like an instant fix. Like it was just so instant and I could do it so quickly and I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah. That's yeah. It, it happened quick. That's right. Re that's really relatable for me too. Like I was, I think I was a senior in high school and it was, it, it was a very similar experience for me. I've heard, I've heard some old speaker meetings of guys at 12 step talk about 
Some people drink themselves in, into it. Some people are born with it. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist, but like, I know I was one of those guys too, where same thing, as soon as I had it and, and saw the result of what a little inebriation did, I'm like, holy shit. What did I stumble upon? This is amazing. We <laughs> yeah, should do I this I was all a the time. <laughs> yeah. What about consequences? Did you did you have any any sort of consequences in those early days, or 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 as things progressed? I I know you talked about at the end, you know, the heart pal- palpitations and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Were there any other consequences along the way? So I was pretty lucky in the fact of like I never did anything too stupid when I drank. I was a pretty cool guy when I drank. Like I just pretty chill. Like most people could never even tell I was drunk. I didn't really change that much. Just pretty, pretty cool. Now, shitty as it is to admit, definitely got lucky with like driving situations. You know, that never happened. Fortunately, it was a ticking time bomb. I'm sure. The biggest consequences for me was the anxiety the next day. I mean, the sometimes crippling anxiety. I mean, to a point where it's like. I, f- I would cancel stuff or I would just, the anxiety was so bad and it was from, it's so funny because it's like I have anxiety so I drink to make the anxiety go away and then the next day the anxiety is worse. Like the rubber band effect I think is what they call it. But the anxiety was by far the biggest part for me that was the consequence. And that was like one reason that I, I mean, it, there were times in my life that it was just terrible. And I, I didn't even associate drinking with making it worse. I didn't even know that you really mm-hmm. do have to edge. Like we only know what we know yeah. and you really do have to educate yourself and dive into the podcast and dive into the science of it to, to learn that. Yeah. If I have anxiety and I drink my anxiety will for if act be worse the next day. And then one more thing, I guess for a consequence is like what it's held me back from, you know, my potential. I'm I'm a pretty driven person. I'm a creative person. I'm a mm-hmm. I like doing stuff and I I feel like it probably held me back, you know. I mean, 10 years of of drinking, I'm sure I could have do, done a lot more shit in that those years, but that's not important, you know, like we can only look forward. Yeah, that anxiety is yeah, that's a bitch. I don't Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't know when I associated mine with my, with my drinking either. I always just thought it it's because everyone, everybody in my life was being a pain in the ass. You <laughs> did know? you know you had anxiety? Like when, when did you, when do you think you realized you had anxiety? Probably not till I, I probably wouldn't never called it that until recovery, but I, I think I've had it my whole life. I've been, I've been a performer mm-hmm. just, just because of the way that I was raised. I, I've always been a performer to, to please other people. And, and you know, there's some good characteristics. I'm a planner. I'm, I'm well prepared, but there's yeah there's a lot of negative a lot of negative <laughs> shit that jumps that that comes along with that as well just right. never being at peace yeah i think a lot of people don't know they have anxiety and it's not something that i seriously ever thought i had like, yeah it's until a doctor told me to my face yeah it's <laughs> something's got to have that domino that first domino's got to be like tipped over before it's like oh okay it was actually the second doctor the first doctor i thought was crazy i couldn't have anxiety Okay, so let's talk about like uh, like your behavior, like behaviors and patterns. You, I think, did you say that you when you started, it was at a, it was after a basketball championship, right? Yeah. So over time, over time, did your drinking always look the same as far as the you know drinking by yourself or with groups or, or what did that evolution look like? Yeah. So I mean, at first it was with other people, drinking with other people, and really only on the weekends go out to the lake or 
go to a buddy's house or whatever and we we would drink together and then i started realizing the beauty in my mind of drinking alone i could listen to music and it was so dope <laughs> to yeah. listen to music and be drinking <laughs> i could watch youtube for hours like everything just became so much more stimulating and cool and yeah i mean i would say when I'm with people out and about now in my life, I don't really need a drink. But when I'm home, that's when I liked drinking. I like just sitting there and it's quiet, it's calm, the music's going. That was my heaven, like drinking at home alone. And I mean, I, I really started drinking alone when I was probably a freshman in college, whenever I moved away and okay. had space to myself. And I would be the only one drinking maybe if people came over or whatever, and it didn't bother me at all. And but I, I was an only child, so I'm used to being alone, and I just kind of thought it spiced things up. Okay. We're going to come back to the, the stimu I wrote stimulating down. We're going to come back to that because I got a question about that too. But like the drinking alone, same thing. I did the same thing. There's a, we've got a lot of some parallels here. Do you, do you think it was like the boredom and wanting to spice those things up or like uncomfortableness with self? Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's obviously a reason that I'm drinking, and mm -hmm. there's – my buddy, I mean, he even kind of pointed out to me today, he's one of those friends that you need where he he's not going to push you too hard, but he's going to challenge you. Okay. And I guess yesterday I told him like, oh, it's been 47 days. It's been cool. But that means for 47 days, I haven't been able to take the edge off. And he kind of pointed out to me like the edge is something that I can work on. You know, we got to find what that edge is and work on. It's not just like, oh, I'm always going to have an edge for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so he kind of pointed that out to me. So there's obviously something in me that I'm either not comfortable with, I'm anxious about, or whatever that might be. I don't know what it is. I probably need to pay a professional to guide me through <laughs> that. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely something in me that that pushes me to not feel okay, obviously. Like when I'm I'm getting better about it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting more comfortable with it. But there is something obviously in me that that's pushing me to for that calmness. Yeah. And I think for what it's worth, I, I think that that, that whatever that edge is, I, th I think it can shift over time. And, and I really believe that all it takes is a willingness to look into what it is in that, that season of your life. And it, it, it might manifest differently as something else. And I don't want to say that we're doomed to have, to be freaking chasing something for eternity, but we're human. <laughs> we're humans. Yeah. And a lot of times we're just uncomfortable, but having that like that willingness to to look into it and that willingness to and, and that ability to recognize which I, I think that continues to grow over time as well as well the more that we do it um, how far are you into your journey i just hit four years okay so do you feel less anxious now than you did at the start of your journey i feel like that's a loaded question uh <laughs> you know it it it's different i i still have it it's it's absolutely still there I don't, it's, it's not there the way that it, that it was before it was completely, it was unchecked unless I was drinking. And that mm -hmm. was, that was the, that's the only thing I knew how to do. And if, and if I wasn't able to drink, I was a really, like, I was really kind of a mean person. Like I, I, I wasn't, a, I just wasn't a very good dude because I was so uncomfortable and I had so much fear and I, and I couldn't sit in that fear. There's no way that I could face it because that made me feel so vulnerable that I just, it manifested as anger. So I was aggressive towards 
coworkers, towards peers. I like I was not nice to my family, um, mm-hmm. and now, you know, it, like that that edginess still shows up. You know, sometimes I can be kind of a dick, but uh, I'm more capable, and it's just, it, it's taken time of of pulling back and and saying like, okay, what's going on here? A lot of my frustration, it's it's fears. It's fear of not being loved, fear of not being valued, fear of being excluded. It's, you know, I've got, I did an assessment in treatment and it's, you know, I'm, I've got narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies, which given my childhood, that's, I mean, that's not a huge surprise. So a lot of it's just looking for validation and finding, trying to find my place mm-hmm. in the world. And what I try to do now is pull back and, and love myself for, for who I am. Love me the way that God loves me. Yeah. That's, that was a weird tangent. I don't know if that. I don't know if that answered no. the question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I just I was just curious how it, it sounds like the the biggest like sign that you see is just, you know, being nicer nicer to your coworkers and your family and stuff and not coming out in that way, which I'm sure they appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I I know my wife and kids do because well, because I'm still married and and I almost wasn't. So, yeah, seems to be a common trend in the the community. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just I I think it's just it it turns and it, it's still there, but it's, it's just, it's not so debilitating like it was. And it's a, it's all growth. And, and I've got skills to skills and coping mechanisms to, to be able to maybe not necessarily make it go away, but to, I hate to use the word manage, but to, to cope, to mm-hmm. deal with it. Right. All right, so we were talking about stimulating. Sorry, that's <laughs> about five minutes ago. No, I I like it when it, I like it when it veers, but but I did want to I did want to come back to that because you were talking about, and like when you said it, I thought of it too. You know, it, it's brought me back to moments that I've had where I'm either watching movies or listening to music, and I've I have felt like I can get into it in this whole nother level when I've been drunk, and I've worried that you know, am I, am I going to be able to do that? Can I have, can I have that same experience in sobriety? And I'm just curious what, what your experience has been in, you know, the last 47 days or through previous attempts where you've got some sobriety. Do you feel like you're still able to get into those different, uh, mediums and enjoy them? I've got great news, everybody. You can still go to concerts. You can still vibe. You can still dance. And here's the cherry on top. You can remember it. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, 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 I went to a concert uh, a couple weeks ago and you know, it's a little comfortable. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to a concert sober unless I have to, like, you know, like <laughs> before uh, I have to now, but get it to was, opportunity, get to <clears throat> get to, sorry. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really cool. And I was just as into it. I think maybe when I'm at home, I'm probably just bored. I'm lonely. I mm-hmm. I probably wish that there was someone that could share that space with me. And I'm just making up an excuse for why. You know, I mean, it's just numbing me down. That's what it's doing. It's numbing me down to where anything would be exciting because I'm just bleh in a couch. I'm on the couch like being a potato. But yeah, I can. The concert was amazing. It felt so cool. It almost felt romantic yeah. to drive home after the concert and be so crystal clear. And in everything, you know, driving just crystal clear while driving and remembering the concert and listening to the music that we just had been at. And there was something romantic about it. It felt like I was a kid again. Yeah. 
I love that descriptor, romantic. That's I think that's that's a really cool way to phrase that, man. I think there's a lot of things that I've romanticized about being sober, just being at the park and you have those moments where, or I should say, I have those moments where I kind of snap out of it. And I'm like, holy shit, I was just present for the last five minutes. <laughs> like I was actually doing it. I was present. I was watching the butterfly or whatever that might be. Even tonight, I think when we're done, I'm, I might just take my dog and go drive Kansas country roads and listen to music and stare at the stars and just kind of vibe out. That's something I never would have done. Yeah, there's there's just something cool. And it, it sounds simple. And we hear these cliches like be where your feet are. And like I've heard that a million times. And in the first 900,000 I heard it, I'm like, what the, I don't know what the hell that means. But, you know, what you were just talking about, being able to to not be worrying about something, to not have my mind driving me freaking crazy, but to be able to make those observations about like what are the what's the dog doing? What are the kids doing? And just like watch and observe it and feel the grass or feel the breeze or smell, you know, smell the atmosphere. I don't like, I never would have guessed that I would be the guy talking about, you know, taking in those moments the way that, you know, the way that we are, but it's, I don't know, there's something beautiful about being able to do that. Totally. And they, they're like the teachers, right? The kids are the teachers. The dogs are the teachers. They, they don't, they haven't been poisoned yet or they haven't been, you know, whatever the whatever the word i'm looking for might be they they're just living they don't yeah. even know about the world yet they're just living yeah we've got these we've got these hills near our house and when when we take the dog out there there's some nice paths and stuff and like when we take him out there he could give two shits like he's got no to-do list mm. about what <laughs> when we get back he's got to make sure that he eats some food and drinks some water and sniffs his butt <laughs> yeah. like, he's not he's just in it and he's happy and free and just like running through it and uh my wife and i just like laugh and we look at him we're like look at this dog man he's he is loving life and it's like that's that's what i would like take me there and hell yeah and, and we are there we just we just have to recognize it you know yeah like a comparison that i've used before is i remember when i was a kid you didn't go home until you had to go home right mm -hmm. so when did that change why am all of a sudden now I just want to be home. Well, I know why, but yeah. <laughs> or in the past, I didn't know why. But yeah. yeah, I want to get back to that kid that just l taking life and living, living life and experiencing everything, and not the guy that's just like wanting to be in his apartment doing nothing, yeah. doing nothing. That's not fun. That's not experiencing life. That childlike wonderment. You know, you talked about learning guitar and playing music like do you feel like that comes alive through those creative outlets of yours for sure and i thought that it didn't i thought that i was creative because i drank because that's what mm -hmm. you see on youtube that's a what tortured you see. artist yeah exactly right that's what we're conditioned to think is that rock stars do drugs to make music mm -hmm. rappers do drugs to make music and that's what i thought and i made way less music and learned way less about music when doing that, because I would, if I was going to be creative, it was just at a low frequency. I wasn't operating on high frequency. And now I'm back to high frequency. I, I'm sure that my cadence when I talk is different. I know that I come more energetic to the creative process. I'm more excited to do creative things. I, even outside of creativity, I, I'm down to just sit under a tree with my dog and just sit there because that's just what I want to do. 
It, yeah. That's that's been the most beautiful part to me is just learning how to relive life. And I hope that most people live that way. I really mm -hmm. do because you know most people won't go through the journey of becoming sober to to learn that. So maybe that is what most people their day-to-day -day life is like. Um but I'm I am thankful like that the journey of sobriety has given me that gift and that it forced me to learn that. And you know I don't want to make assumptions about the rest of the planet. But I think we look at, we can see the pain that that's happening in this world. I can see it in people that I work with. I can see the people in the store. You can see it in the media. And there is, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. Is it, is it the Western world? Is it just being an adult with responsibilities in general? Like, I don't know. But I, I think a lot of people, they, they don't take the time to live in those moments. They live that, you know, living for tomorrow, you know, working for the weekend type of scenario. And as much as all those pain points hurt to get us into the moment that we're in now to, you know, to drive us into recovery, to drive us to start looking it, as much as it hurt to get here. Like I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I yeah. did. And it's, you know, we always talk about how this is an opportunity. And, and again, it's you're like, all right, it's an opportunity. Thanks guys. But, <laughs> but it really is because if I just, I know where my life would be and yeah, it sucked to go through some of that shit, but, you know, look at the, look at the chances we have now to be able to do that, to be able to live kind of a free life and to yeah. observe the way that, that we never have. It is beautiful. Do you remember the first time like coming out of your fog? Like, is there a specific moment that you're like, Oh, that's different. The way I'm looking at that is different. I do. And I don't know if it popped up on my Facebook memories yet, or if it will be soon, but my wife and I were separated and I was living at in my camper at the campground Hell and, yeah. <laughs> and you know, in my van down by the river and I would get my, I'd have my kids on the weekends if I wasn't working. And I remember just like riding bike with my kids. And before, if I took them to the park or rode bike with them, I'd always have like every pocket had a beer in it. I'd have a little mm -hmm. mini cooler. And that's all I cared about is drinking enough before we went to be a little bit tight. And then like, Oh, I got to run back to the camper for, you know, I got to make sure I didn't turn the propane on or something. stupid stuff just to get refills. And just to be able to put that down, like I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have to go get a refill and I could just sit and like watch my kids ride bike and squeal like they were riding down this hill and, and they were screaming. We're like that Larry Enticer from YouTube. If anybody's heard of this guy with the snowmobile, I'm just going to send it. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've heard that. It's worth a look. Anyway, but like my kids are riding bike down this hill screaming, I'm just going to send it. And I don't know. It just, that was like presence for me mm -hmm. like just being for them being there for them where we were in that moment yeah i mean that sounds like an awesome moment i know i know like even when you were saying that my eyes kind of started to water like i can keep I don't, going hold on we, let's get a guy to cry on here <laughs> yeah. i uh i don't know about you but i've like i almost my eyes water almost every single day now it never yeah. used to happen to me which shows me that I'm operating on a different frequency than I was. I'm more alive. I yeah. feel shit now. That's awesome, man. And did you feel jaded or sarcastic or, or like critical of the world? I don't. Do you think that's what kept you from having the emotion like you like you do now? I felt numb in a way. I was just numbing myself, and the numbness lasted a long enough for me to drink again. Even when I was sober, I was just. Uh, and I keep using the words, but I was just operating at such low frequency. Mm -hmm. If I were to talk, I would just kind of be talking like this. And 
there wasn't much emotion behind stuff. And I just, I just wasn't operating at the same frequency that I am now. And I feel the lows a lot harder now. I feel the lows a lot harder, but I feel the highs really hard too. And, you know, as long as those don't go to dangerous levels, then I think it's worth it. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Let's say, let's say you're feeling low and you're feeling pretty hard. What, what have you picked up along the way as far as like coping mechanisms or tools or like, how are you dealing with that now uh, without alcohol? I have walked more in the past 47 days than most people will walk in their lifetime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You put some miles in? Dude, these, I don't know how my legs are still working. I go to the park three times a day with my dog. And then at, at about seven o'clock, I go on a three and a half to four mile walk by myself. So we're probably averaging about eight to 10 miles a day. Good night. Um, That's awesome, dude. (laughs) So yeah, that's my big one. Whenever I feel it coming, I would say it, but my dog would go crazy. Rocky, come on, let's go to the park. And then uh, (laughs) had to whisper that into the mic so my dog didn't hear it. We jump in the car and we go and just getting out of the house. My goal now is to be in my apartment as little as possible because that's just not, I mean, it's not that there's bad vibes here or anything. I, I enjoy my space, but you know, I'm a kid again. I'm trying to be a kid again. Yeah. And what, what kid wants to be in their apartment all day? Yeah. You get a little movement. Yeah. Apartments for working and sleeping. So, and relaxing a little bit, but yeah, I'm trying to become alive again. That's awesome, dude, that you're, that you're getting out moving. I think that's a great technique method. Blazik, before we head into the rapid fire round, I wanted to touch uh, a little bit on relationships and see how some of that has changed. You know, you, you talked about a buddy who it sounds like he's a pretty good dude as far as accountability goes. What have your relationships looked like? You know, have, have they changed? What does that support look like? Have, have there been burning the ship moments with them? Yeah, so I'm pretty lucky, I think, in the sense of I've always surrounded myself with good people. And I haven't had a single friend that's had an issue or even really questioned me about drinking. Maybe just ignorantly, like if they don't understand, okay. uh, but never like never pushing back like, oh, you should drink. Maybe just not fully understanding. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, my I went on a vacation this last weekend to Dallas with two of my college friends. They literally, you know, asked me, is there like, you know, we don't want to harp on it, but is there anything we can do to like help or not trigger you or whatever? Yeah. Super nice one to ask. And then they kind of let it go, you know, like it's not like it has to be my whole identity. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, my relationships have been good. Everyone's been super understanding. I feel like everyone's been nothing but a cheerleader. And, you know, while they may not fully understand why. Because they only see the snapshots of my life. They only yeah. see me out with them. Where I'm and like I told you, I'm not a bad drunk. Very even keel drunk. Uh just chilling, vibing. No, I'm not doing anything crazy, never have done anything crazy really. So while they may not fully understand, the more they talk to me, the more they kind of get it. But I don't think they'll really fully understand, but uh some of them, unless they we really dive into it, but that's okay. They're, they're all very supportive and they all want, want what's best for me. And yeah, they, they've been super cool about it. And I will say dating is interesting right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'm 28 year old single dude. So like I've, I, I'm on the dating apps, Bumble, Hinge and all that. And <laughs> do you want to you, drop your username in the, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So going on dates, it was just easy to go grab a drink and it was what they kind of expect. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what the woman expects is to just go grab a drink. And now I'm like, Hey, you want to go get ice cream? I don't want to get coffee. Cause then I'll be too anxious. You know, <laughs> like, I can't be pumping myself with caffeine. So I'm like, Hey, you want to go get ice cream or Hey, you want to go on a walk or whatever that might look like mm -hmm. feels a little weird, but it's been great too. I mean, I think people are just way more understanding than we might give them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it, it can be tough, but I think I really do believe that we have the opportunity to set the tone for our recovery. And if I'm walking around like Eeyore, oh, no, sorry, I, I, I just can't <laughs> yeah. drink. I'm, it's going to turn into a shit show. If I drink, I can't do it. I'm so sorry. That's what people are going to think of it. But if, you know, yep. we don't, you know, not that we owe everybody our story, but we can, you know, we can take ownership of it in a, in a positive way. Like, listen, I just, this is not what I want in my life anymore. I want, I want more for my life and I'm just, I feel better without it. And, uh, so it's, it, it's my decision. I'm choosing not to, but thank you. Totally. And I don't know about you, but it kind of, this is so like stupid of me, but it makes me feel better when I'm like, oh, that celebrity is sober. Yeah. Like, they're living the life. Like they look happy. They look cool. Like, yes, something weird about it. Yes, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I don't know if I just see more of those like sober celebrity things because I'm in recovery and I'm in right. like, multiple recovery communities. So it gets blasted. But I think uh, the more mainstream it gets, I, you know, I think things are shifting and mm -hmm. it's becoming more normal. You know, people are, are making those decisions before they hit those like terrible rock bottoms, which I think is amazing. Yes. Let's elevate that bottom and, and create a space where people can choose to to not drink like before it's a total freaking disaster for him right and i definitely saw it trending that way so i'm happy that i had some sort of moment of clarity to do that and i also just want to mention too by the way dancing is fun sober yeah so did you <laughs> everyone listening at that wedding that you go to next dance get out dance your heart out <laughs> did you did you see uh the the dancing video from bozeman i didn't oh man I'll I'll send yeah it send to it you. to me because I want to see that we did a we did a group dance and two years ago when when Paul told us hey we're gonna do a group dance I was like oh shit <laughs> I'm a six foot seven white dude from North Dakota if you <laughs> imagine how a six foot seven white dude from North Dakota would dance like I'm gonna meet your expectations <laughs> but but it was like, live it was, up top man Real yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's fun it's it's embarrassing, you know, maybe it's a little embarrassing, but it's, you know, get out of self, have fun, cut right. loose, you know, rule 22, don't take yourself so serious. So, right. And rule, I don't know if you can, rule 32. I, I just showed him on zoom, my tattoo rule 32, which is enjoy the little things. I love it. All right, Blazik. And with that, we're at the rapid fire round. Answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds. Number one. What was your biggest fear as you were thinking about quitting drinking? That I could no longer have fun, that I could no longer go on dates, that I could no longer dance, that I could no longer be crazy. Like with, not that I was super crazy, but you know, when you're with your friends and you're just being silly because you're drinking, that I couldn't do that. I was scared of everything. I, yeah, just that I couldn't have deep conversations anymore. Mm -hmm. But now I can have real deep conversations, not fake deep conversations yeah and be present yeah i like it dude number two 
What is a positive that you didn't expect in your life without alcohol? Probably the presence. Just, I mean, I, I went seven or I, sorry, I went 10 years without feeling present really. And I'm starting to get glimpses of those moments back and I'm here for it. I like it, man. Number three, what is your plan in sobriety moving forward? <sighs> See, this one's the super cliche, but you know, all I can handle is today. Like it, it legit gives me fear thinking like, Oh, I'll never drink again. Mm-hmm. And I hate to admit that on a sobriety podcast, but I feel that like it's, it scares me to say I'll never drink again. And I don't like even thinking about it. So, but I do like the fact that today I'm not drinking and yeah. that's what I can control. That's, that's a good point, man. You know, there's another saying like, we don't have to be sober for the rest of our lives today. And I think the sooner we can wrap our head around this one day at a time, it's, I lived in fear of relapse for a big chunk of my first year, just scared to death of it. But when we can figure out how to like, all right, I got to get through today. I got to get through this way more manageable. I got to get through this, whatever manageable piece of time is in front of us. uh, We can find some of that peace. Number four, what is your favorite resource in recovery? RE, Cafe RE, Recovery Elevator Podcast. I mean, I listened to Recovery Elevator Podcast for a year and a half before I decided to actually go all in. But I just chipped away. I chipped away at whatever it was I was chipping away at. And, you know, I couldn't do this till I was ready. I needed to feel it in my fucking soul. Like, excuse my language, but I needed to feel it in my fucking soul. And... I was kind of feeling it and I chipped away until I felt it in the effing soul. (laughs) (laughs) Censor yourself on the last one. Yeah, man, you got to like, you got to be there. And I mean, it takes what it takes to get us there. That's awesome, man. How are you not to self promote on our own podcast? There's lots, there's a ton of opportunities for community, but, uh, how, how has it felt to be in community? Uh, with it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely nights that I would have drank if I didn't have men's night to be accountable for, or I didn't have, you know, just tick TikTok's turning into a weird one for me. I, yeah. I can air it out on TikTok. I send it out into the universe and it, I just feel lighter. I feel better about it. I, and people hit me up, you know, people are struggling out there and we're all fighting the good fight, you know, and whether we know it or not, there's people out there. I, I need to be more open on my platforms, such as Instagram and Facebook, where I have like more people. But for now, I feel safe on TikTok, airing it out there. And yeah, just Cafe RE has been awesome. Everyone can relate in there, and that feels amazing. Um, but just saying it out loud feels good. And what parting piece of guidance can you give to our listeners who are in recovery or thinking about getting sober? Yeah, so more specifically for people thinking about getting sober, just keep surrounding yourself with the resources. You only know what you know. And like I, like I said, with my journey, just chipping away at it. Um, I think it's super helpful to just at least give yourself the resources and the education that you need so you can make an educated decision as for people who are in recovery. Yeah. Just, I mean, I hate saying it cause it is so cliche, but there's a reason that it is one day at a time is, is all we can do. And if we can get through today, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal that you set out to do. So, I mean, just put yourself first and, and yeah, take care of business. That's great. 
And last, but certainly certainly not least, give listeners your favorite. You might need to ditch the booze if line. Um, you might need to ditch the booze if you're drinking before doing anything important in life that you feel <laughs> is a high stake thing that you're doing and you're drinking before it. That might be your sign. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little pregame. It's no big deal. Yeah, a little pregame for the first day of work, you know. Oh, my gosh. Blazik. That hour flew by, man. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. Uh, I think you're going to help a lot of people, dude. I hope so, man. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Recovery Elevator, thanks for hanging out. And a huge thank you to Blazik for taking the time to be on the show. I appreciate it, dude. You were awesome. I've been thinking a lot about control lately. Every once in a while, Cafe RE offers this course called Ditching the Booze. And during the last session, I taught one of the classes about sharing our stories. Control is something that I've noticed that I try to do when I share. I want to make sure that I'm telling the right parts of my story so that you get the right impression and have the right feelings about me. It goes beyond that, though. Controlling situations, controlling people, making things go my way. In AA's big book, they talk about a guy in the play who wants to run everything. The lights, the curtain... He wants to act in all the parts. He wants to direct the score, all because he wants control. When I look at that tendency in me, why do I want to control things so much? Sometimes I'll try to convince myself that the answer is noble. I want to do a good job. I want to tell the story in a great and useful way. At work or in the community, I want the customer, the coworker, the supervisor, whoever, to be satisfied. I'm just a hard worker, right? Well, kind of but the motivation needs a deeper look. And when I do that, honestly, I realize that sometimes I don't even care if they're pleased, but I'm more concerned about them being pleased with me. When I don't have control, it's hard for me to manipulate the situation or the narrative to make sure that I'm shown in the light that I want to be. So where does this come from? Somewhere along the way, or many times along the way, I felt rejection. For whatever reason, that seed of rejection took root And the coping mechanism that I picked up to deal with it was learning how to perform and manipulate. I'm seeing that more and more now. And I'm realizing that this whole thing is all about taking away any chance of me having to feel that rejection again. It's happened to me before. I was rejected and I did not like it. So my mind wants me to do whatever I can to keep it from happening again. It's challenging and that's hard to admit, but it's also freeing. If I'm living for the approval of others, I'm going to die by their rejection, and I'm going to go out so tired from the chase. I'm working more on being authentically me. I'm trying to trust that I'm enough as I am. Yes, I'm continuing to grow and continually learning to live in alignment with my beliefs, but right now, I'm right where I need to be. Blazik talked about alcohol making him feel comfortable being himself, and it did the same for me. But these days... I'm trying to learn to feel that without the booze. I'm believing that I'm enough. I'm believing that God made me. That he made me uniquely, beautifully, intentionally, purposefully, and wonderfully. And I believe that he made you that way too. Recovery Elevator, don't put your light under a basket. Set it out for the whole world to see. I love you. This is the experience you need.
is the ego. 